Hello, and welcome to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Let's unpack the relationships that we encounter in our daily lives and learn about what makes them tick. And now your host for Red Rock Relationships, Dr. James B. Stein. Hey, it's me again, and we're here to talk about some really, really fun stuff. We're sort of continuing our conversation on dating, and today we're going to take it to a place that I think everyone can relate to. Uh, we've been talking about really specific areas of relationships in the past few weeks, and I wanted to make it broad this time. So today we're going to be talking about um, social media, dating apps, and the internet in, in the process of relationship building. And here to join me for that conversation is my good friend and colleague, Dr. Mark Generous. Mark, thank you for being here. So grateful to be here. How are you doing, James? I'm doing amazing. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing really well, thank you. I'm hanging in there despite everything that's going on in our current situation, but uh, excited to have this conversation. Me and delve too. Into some online dating ideas. Heck yeah, heck yeah. Especially because of all the little differences that exist in that community. It's going to be it's going to be a very informative, but hopefully enjoyable talk. Um, I want to okay. start. What's that? I said, without a doubt, it will be enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> That's your job. That's your job. Your job is to make it entertaining, and my job is to sit here and watch you do it. <laughs> um, okay, I'm here to entertain. I'm here to entertain. Before we start, I want to do what we always do every week and sort of introduce the audience to who you are, where you come from, uh, what you specialize in, and just kind of like what your deal is as a person who's qualified to talk about this conversation. So would you mind giving us your elevator speech? My elevator speech. Yes. So my name is Dr. Mark Generous. I hail from um, Detroit, Michigan, the metro Detroit area. And I got to travel around for school, which was really great. So I've lived in different states like Texas, Arizona, and now I'm in California on the West Coast. And all of my study has really been centered around interpersonal communication and a focus on close relationships, um, specifically with regards to I, I like to study how we learn from families and how families kind of structure what I call our norms for communication. And it's interesting that today we're talking about online dating because I think that's gonna come up a little bit because we, we start to understand how relationships function and what our expectations are in relationships from our families. So that's a, a huge part of my research. And I, I think I'm qualified to be here and chat with you today. Number one, we went to the same school. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope I'm qualified. Uh, and then also I've been teaching interpersonal communication courses for over a decade. Wow. That's awesome. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, anyone who listens to this show regularly knows that I have a nasty habit of inviting ASU professors and graduates on to talk about stuff. That pattern is not going to stop. Our final two guests after you are both ASU people. Um, and uh, for season two, I've already got like four ASU people lined up. So that's just going to keep happening. Um, yeah. But one thing that I wanted to bring up is um, not just that we are former constituents at Arizona State University, but that, Mark, you were the person who literally changed my life uh, when we met seven years ago now at I the remember. National Communication Association convention. And you were the person who quite literally reached out and grabbed me and said yes and said in a voice that only you can replicate, hi, have you ever thought about coming to ASU? And then that was the beginning of my adult life. So. I think about that regularly. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I remember <laughs> you told me that when you got to ASU, you said, you know, you were the person who mm -hmm. kind of pulled me and said, hey, have you thought about coming here? And I went, 
great. That means I know how to sell things. That's true. That's true. And very often you're selling yourself. And speaking of selling yourself, let's talk about online dating because it's really just one big sales pitch, is it not? Oh my gosh. I feel like that is the current landscape we exist in with online dating, mm. without a doubt. And I think that idea of selling oneself is also connected to a lot of other issues and possibilities with online dating. Mm. That's definitely true. Yeah. So it's figurative. And in many cases, it's actually literal. And I think we definitely need to get into that. But first, a um, couple of uh, important historical elements. Um, currently, and when I say currently, I mean, as of June 2020, a Statista poll showed that there are 26.6 million dating app users currently. And that's not counting all the people who used to use it in years past and then, you know, found somebody or swore off them forever or, you know, whatever the case is. Um, yeah. But that is absolutely wild that there's that many people. I mean, that's almost a tenth of the population. Yep. So um, how has this advent of social media and of dating apps and, and then the hyper specific dating apps, which we'll get into, how have that how have those changed the, the landscape of dating, if at all? Yes. So one of the things I, I always think about is what we have access to and the number of choices we have. Mm -hmm. Right. If we have more choices, we might get what's called choice fatigue and we might not be able to really process all of the different choices and alternatives we have. So I think one of the major issues with online dating is the fact that we might find it more difficult to be satisfied in a relationship because guess what's always out there waiting for us? Mm -hmm. The next best thing. Yes. And this is something I've anecdotally heard from friends and also that I personally experienced <laughs> is the idea that you meet somebody on an online dating app and you know, you go on a few dates or in COVID times, you have a FaceTime call or a Skype call like we're doing right now. And you start kind of getting to know that person, but then somebody else pops up in your dating profile who seems Prettier. Maybe even more interesting. Prettier. Chatting with them, you go on a date with them, and now, oh, I'm dating two people at the same time. Well, the second person is more interesting. I'm going to kind of let the first person go. And mm. what a lot of people do is they ghost, Ooh, right? I won't yeah. directly tell them I'm done with them, but just kind of inadvertently let them fall to the wayside, focus on person number two. And then the cycle sometimes repeats again, then a third person comes up. So I think that's one of the major issues is just the amount of choices we have. Before online dating, you know what you were relegated to? Who was in your social network? Yeah. Who you saw when you went out to the local bar, or the dance club, whatever it might be, that's, mm -hmm. that's who you had access to. Yeah. You had access to people who were in close proximity to you. Now you can start relationships with somebody who lives two hours away, who before online dating, you would have never had the possibility of meeting. Correct. Correct. And then there, were, there also used to be things like speed dating and choice dating where like, you know, jazz enthusiasts, that's how my parents met, um, classical music enthusiasts answering personal ads in the paper. And then boom, oh you meet gosh, someone. Yes. You know, I watched the Golden Girls and there was an episode of the Golden Girls where Blanche puts a personal ad in the paper. And I'm watching it thinking to myself, the show was created in I think around 1987, 88. And I'm thinking to myself, what if that's what we did now? You put out a personal ad and then you and then you had to call somebody. So you don't even know what they look like. Mm. And then you set up this date not knowing who this person is. I mean, with online dating, think about how much information you can give. You said the idea of selling yourself, right? Yeah. Well, if I'm going to sell myself, do you think I'm going to put up pictures that don't make me look flattering? Right. 
I, I hope not. Right. right. I'm well, probably going to pick the photos with the best lighting <laughs> where my teeth look phenomenal. Mm-hmm. My eyes are popping. That way it really pulls in people. Yeah. Versus, um, I go on a date with you because my friends set me up with you and you've never seen me before. And the first time you see me is when I walk through the restaurant door. Right. And then you don't know who yeah. you're looking for. Well, and this is something I tell my students. I always say, you know, you definitely want to be flattering of yourself when you post on social media, but you don't want to be too flattering because that creates false expectations. And we talked about expectation violation theory on previous episodes of this show. You don't want to present yourself as, you know, if we're going to get crude about it, you don't want to present yourself as like an 8.5 on the Richter scale. And then you show up looking like a six, you'd rather be presenting yourself as a 5.5 and then you show up looking a little bit better, just a little bit better. That, that, okay. This is real advice that really I give to my students. So I don't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I don't know if I fully agree with that statement. <laughs> and, and here's why. So I'm, I'm really glad we're having this conversation because I think it's connected to what I really talk to my students about in my interpersonal communication courses. I ask them to challenge their own perceptions of what they expect in a relationship, mm-hmm. not just their expectations of what they should look like or what their partner should look like. What are your actual expectations of a relationship? Because I think too often we don't ask ourselves what we really want or what we're actually looking for in a partner yes. or partners. If it's a polyamorous relationship, we're not really fully thinking about it. We're oftentimes acting on status quo, what our parents have taught us, what we've learned from TV and movies, and we just kind of go into it, not really fully grappling with what we want. And so we end up getting into these relationships that we might not have fully thought about our intentions and expectations. And I think that's why we keep jumping from relationship to relationship, because mm-hmm. we're trying to find what we're looking for in other people when we're not doing the work on ourselves first. Interesting right? take. Down, yes, I about, agree. Hey, I'm 21. Do I want a long-term relationship right now? Is that what I should be looking for? Or am I looking for something else, right? Right. Doing the actual self-work about what we want and what we're expecting. So that way we can actually communicate that to the people we go on dates with. Right. Absolutely. And I think that that's the first step, right? Determining and being honest, right? Um, You know, you can't lie to yourself and say, I want a relationship when really what you're just looking for is somebody to spend the night with. You want to be sure that you know what you're looking for, because it's not only unfair to yourself, it's unfair to the other person who's, you know, looking for love and thinks that you're compatible and then boom, you get ghosted. Um, And there are actually some benefits of ghosting, which if we have time, um, I want to get into. But you brought up you brought up the idea of like determining what you're looking for. So that's a natural segue into this next uh, issue that I want to get to. There is a uh, I guess a colloquial rumor that different dating apps provide us with different services based on what we're looking for. So the rumors are and I'm just going to go through a couple here. Right. So Tinder is I would like to get physically intimate with somebody. Bumble, That's what I as well. Bumble, coffee meets bagel. That's more about I'm looking for a relationship. Match and eHarmony are, and this is just from testimonial I've heard from my younger students. Match and eHarmony are for people who are desperately seeking a long-term committed relationship, if not marriage. Um, and then there are other websites, right? There's plenty of fish. There's OkCupid. There's Mutual, yeah. which I want to get into in a little bit. But what do you think about that? Uh, Again, that kind of colloquial rumor. Is that true? Do we access different apps for different needs? 
Okay, so first off, um, I don't believe in absolute truth. So truth is whatever your perception of reality is. Lowercase t. So if you want to exist and say Tinder is for hookups, Hinge is for relationships, I cannot get over the fact that you said match any harmony are people desperately seeking marriage. That is I'm not my that, that is not my viewpoint. Yeah, and I have yeah, used yeah. both of those in the past, by the way, and I don't consider myself desperate. Yeah. Well, and again, I, I don't know of any data that would suggest that those anecdotes are true. There but are at not. the end of the day, if that's your perception of reality, that's your truth. Mm -hmm. So that's going to influence the way that you navigate the online dating sphere. If I think Tinder is for a hookup or a one night thing and I want that, I might be more likely to go onto Tinder and use it for that means. Mm -hmm. If I think Hinge is for something else, I might be more likely to use that. I think this exists too because a lot of the apps you named I think are geared more towards the heterosexual community yes. and as somebody in the LGBTQIA community, there are also apps that serve different functions anecdotally from what I've heard from people in the community, mm. right? So there are certain apps that serve particular functions if we want the one night thing, if we're looking for a more serious relationship. Um, so again, and this also, that anecdote of what these apps serve points back to figuring out what it is we want in the first place. Because at the end of the day, guess what? If you go on those apps, a lot of times people are not upfront about what they want. They'll go on Tinder and they might be thinking, oh, this is a one night stand site, but their messaging and the way they sell themselves doesn't really communicate that's what they're looking for. Because I'm going to make the argument that there's a lot of people on Tinder who are looking for long-term serious relationships. I think you're 100% right. And I think yeah. that if you just create a Tinder profile, what you will see is a large portion of people who like very first sentence of the bio says, not here for hookups. And what's very interesting is- spell it out. Yeah, no, like not period here, period, right? So, I, and when I talk to my students, some of them will say things and like, you know, unfortunately this is usually the, the male students who say something like, yeah, well they say that, but they almost take it, and then they almost take it as a challenge. Like, I, I, I think I could get you to hook up with me, which is, you know, we talked a little bit about toxic masculinity when we had Dr. Matheny on here um, yeah. and, and Dr. Floyd as well. Uh, so, sorry, soon to be Dr. Matheny, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so that's problematic in and of itself, but I think you make a really good point of, again, this comes back to the self, like how do I view this app? What do I want from this app? And then you present yourself in such a way that reflects those needs. And so I think that that rumor of the different apps do different things, I think it's as true as we allow it to be. I don't know, how do you yeah. feel about that? Well, okay, so you, you mentioned a few things that I wanna kind of deconstruct. Mm. If we're talking about romantic relationships, we're oftentimes talking about the enactment of sexual intimacy, because that's going to be fundamentally a pretty pivotal part of a lot of relationships. Not all, there are, there are relationships that do not implement sexual intimacy. Um, if somebody's asexual yes. or maybe sexual intimacy doesn't play a role in a particular emotional connection, that's possible. Mm -hmm. Any relationship formation is possible. But a lot of times, again, if we're entering relationships without thinking about what we want, we probably expect at some point sex is gonna happen. And when men, when heterosexual men and also uh, gay men as well do the, well, they say they're not looking for a hookup, but let me try. That goes along with the sexual script. Mm -hmm. Men pursue, women are gatekeepers, right? Right. And this, I, I keep going, I cannot stress how important this is. Figure out what you want so you don't have to give into that sexual script, right? You don't, you don't have to do that. You don't have to give into that. 
And if you find it a turnoff that somebody wants to give into that sexual script, don't hang out with them. Yeah. And maybe figure out, use your questioning, use your information seeking to find out what are somebody's intentions so they match with mine. I can make those really fundamental decisions to surround myself and date people who align more with what I want and expect. Yeah, and I think that that's what I said I wanted to talk about, one of the positive elements of ghosting. Like that's one of the positive elements of ghosting. If you match with someone on Tinder and you've not given them the, your number and you've not given them your Snapchat or any sort of identifying information and they start saying really lewd sexual things that you're not into boom they're gone that's it unmatch and maybe report i don't know but like it's uh, people view ghosting as this like horribly like how could that person ghost me now if you've been in a relationship for two years with someone and they ghost you that's pretty rough right but if you matched with someone on tinder two weeks ago and they just don't feel like talking to you anymore then they just don't feel like talking to you anymore and then maybe a little bit more of that self-searching is needed because maybe you did something that made them not want to talk to you or maybe they just didn't feel like talking to you on their own merits and that's okay too so that's really interesting because when I hear ghosting, I think of the latter that you said, where we actually did hang out and we've we've kind of indicated interest mm. and then one goes. Because the way the other way you described it, the former where it's, oh, we match on Tinder, we exchange a few words, but then you become sexually lewd, so I ignore you. Mm. I don't see that as ghosting. I see that as kind of maybe unmatching or ignoring. But I, I do, I do want to say that, yes, ghosting might have – a protective factor, especially if somebody's being lewd and inappropriate and aggressive. Mm -hmm. But there is something so powerful about being able to be direct with individuals and communicate the way that you feel, because that doesn't just have importance in dating, that has importance in every relationship of your life, right? If somebody says sexually lewd comments to you and you no longer wanna to talk to them and you plan to unmatch them, I think it's completely appropriate to message them and say, hey, listen, these comments are completely inappropriate. I, I don't know who you are. And the fact that you're sending me these messages makes me uncomfortable, which means it probably makes others uncomfortable. So I just want to let you know I'm going to unmatch you. Um, and I hope that this could be maybe a lesson to you as you enter into future matches. Yeah. Could you imagine getting that message and be like, maybe I'll stop doing that. <laughs> That's and then if you can adopt that behavior, you can then go into your other relationships and adopt a similar approach to talking about what you need and want. And also that helps you build compassion for others. If you can listen to what I need and want, I can hopefully reciprocate and listen to what you need and want. Mm. And we can work together. Could you imagine the world we'd live in if that was the case all the time? It would sure be nice. And in instead what happens is when people make those lewd comments, they get sent to the Instagram page, Tinder Nightmares. And then we get to enjoy them being awful people. But it would be nice to see folks be direct uh, if they feel you know, like they can summon the strength to, to do that sort of thing. I think it could be very helpful to the offender and to the offendee from an empowerment standpoint. With, without a doubt. And again, just being able to say what you need and want and then have that empathy for other people yeah and then also yeah um not blasting people i mean sometimes it's funny to read we all laugh out loud i just i i'm not a proponent of blasting people outside of the relationship we've created um i just don't think that that's the best idea i think if we're going to have good relationships a lot of times the communication needs to stay within the relationship right and we need to work on this together mm. yeah i think that that's a good point and i think that that also touches on and and something that you've been getting to really this entire time is this notion of like determining what you want and i think that when people hear words like dating um very often they they intertwine it with the idea of searching for a relationship mm. is 
is being on the quote dating market and searching for a relationship are those two things one and the same or are are there differences you know what i always say to my students is that it depends because it mm. definitely depends right if you're on the market we have to decide what you're on the market if you go to the grocery store right you you make a shopping list what am i looking for I know that might be a horrible analogy, but I think it can apply to dating. What am I looking <laughs> yeah. for as I'm dating? Am I looking, some people literally go on dating apps and they're like, I just want to cuddle. Mm. I don't want to have sex. I just want to cuddle because I need affection. If uh, you isolate that and decide that, you're going to have a much more efficient grocery store trip mm -hmm. than if you go into the grocery store and you're like, I don't know what I want. So I'm going to search around for a couple of hours and hopefully it hits me in the face and I finally realize what it is I want, yeah. right? Yeah. So looking for a relationship, though, you're kind of getting into the territory of making a pretty explicit decision about what you want the relationship to look like. And that's something that you need to have conversations with or conversations about with that person you're entering into the relationship with. Yeah. What is it that I'm looking for? Right. Could you imagine if on a first date you could say to this person, hey, just so you know, like, this is why I'm on Hinge. This is why I want to go on a date with you. I really am looking for somebody who's going to be kind of a life partner, somebody I can form a life with, start a family with. Um, that's what I'm looking for. I think people are terrified to do that because they're scared of what the reaction is going to be. So then, but think about the alternative of what happens if you don't do that. You keep going on dates with all of this built up uncertainty. Like, I know what I want, but I haven't communicated it yet. But I have no idea what this other person mm -hmm. wants. Mm -hmm. No uncertainty. Uh, I do know that. Yeah. Some functions, it's not always the best thing in the world. It leads to jealousy, jealousy behaviors. It leads to indirect communication styles. Mm. So, oh my gosh, I just, I cannot say it enough. Like figure out what you want and communicate it. I mean, we should not get into relationships unless we've done the work on ourselves first to figure out what it is we're actually desiring so we can let people know that directly. I just don't wanna continue seeing people get hurt because they're going into these situations without really doing that self work first. You know, I love RuPaul's Drag Race and RuPaul always says, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you gonna love somebody else? It's a very fair point. And you, you, you brought up so much there. For more on jealousy, go listen to our episode with Dr. Guerrero. For more on cuddling, go listen to our episode with Dr. Von Ralta. Um, but, episodes. Yeah, but no, I think that there's really something to be said about the specificity of what you want as you open Tinder or something like that. Um, some people only check dating apps during a certain time of the day, like during breakfast or while they're, I don't know, after their afternoon run or something like that. Um, yeah. And almost, I would argue that creating that structure is kind of a good thing because then you, you do your best to work around all that uncertainty that you were just talking about. We were like, okay, well, it's, you know, it's that time of the day where I'm not going to worry about all the other people out there who could potentially serve some relational desires that I have. I'm going to focus on me right now. I'm going for my run right now. And then after that, maybe then I'll look at some cute people on Tinder or on Bumble um, yeah. and, and see what's up with that. So I just watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix, and they're kind of talking about why we engage in social media. And they kind of touched on online dating a little bit. Um, and then, oh, gosh, there was another documentary, too. They were talking about Tinder. And basically, they came to this conclusion that a lot of times we use dating apps solely to get validation. 
Oh yeah. When we're the loneliest, we start matching with anybody just to see if they want to match with us so it can increase our Mm self-esteem. But in that moment, that does not increase your self-esteem for the long term. It is a momentary flash of a self-esteem increase because we're feeling immensely lonely. Yeah. And I know I've done this. And when I saw the documentary and this person was doing this, I went, oh my gosh, if we're both doing this, everybody (sighs) has to be doing this. And I think that's going to leave us feeling more lonely. All these empty matches that don't mean anything for the sake of a momentary increase in validation. And you want to know what? I do that when I'm feeling lonely and when I haven't really took the time to work on myself and figure out why did I even open up this dating app in the first place? Yeah. What was the purpose of me getting on this? I'm just, I'm a huge proponent, work on the self. (laughs) And I I also think you kind of alluded to a very important note that I think it's important. good to close on here, which is that like, you can be like a very healthy, confident, uh, high self-esteem individual and still battle these, you know, retrospective issues of, am I worthy? Am I valid? Am I ever going to find someone? Am I going to die alone? I mean, those are existential issues, but like even the happiest, most secure people in the world sometimes have to do battle with these inner demons. And I think that it's important to acknowledge that it does happen to everyone in a social media era where people go out of their way to show others how happy and satisfied they are in their lives. I'm so glad you said that. And I know we're running out of time, so I wanna say one thing, and this is one of my favorite quotes I say it every semester. I think a lot of what you're saying is connected to our, our deep desire to be perfect and to present a perfect image. And so I tell my students every semester, perfection's a lie, kiss it goodbye. Perfection does not exist, don't try to be perfect, Take some time and figure out the good things in your life. Be grateful, have gratitude, and kind of approach life from that mindset. Everyone's trying the best they can, and so are you. And that is good enough. Perfect is a lie. Kiss it goodbye. What a great note to end on. Thanks so much for joining us, Dr. Generous. Thank you. We'll see you next time to talk about friends with benefits relationships. You've been listening to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. If you'd like to be on the show or have questions for us, please send us an email to redrockrelationships at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search Red Rock Relationships. Thank you again. And remember, it all begins with good communication.